Hey, listen up. The following thoughts are my own. If you want to change something about your life, find an expert and get some help. By the way, this podcast no longer uses social media to advertise. Yes, it's a stance. And yes, it's harder to grow. If you like what we're doing here, send it to a friend. It's that simple. Welcome to Ben On Purpose. My name is Ben. Let's get into it. Good day to you all. Welcome to another episode of Ben on Purpose. I hope you're having a good day today. We are going to jump right in today with the topic of social media. Um, If you know me at all, if you're in my life at all, you know I have a serious uh, challenge with social media. And I know I sound like an old person uh, when I say that. And I know I sound like an old person when I bring up how bad it is for us and and many of the other things in this world that I think are bad for us. But the, the facts, I think, I mean, I don't think I have to think about it. The facts prove themselves out, and I could probably pull up, you know, 10, 10 scientific articles right now that would prove that. Yet, somehow, uh, you know, we're all just completely addicted to it. Um, uh, granted, it's not just social media. We're, we're addicted to, to our phones just in general. We're addicted to ourselves just in general. There, there's, we're addicted to the whole thing, but... Um, I want to I want to talk a little bit about the social media thing today, and and if you're listening, there's a good chance that you are on social media <laughs> in some way. Uh, you know, name the sites. The second I name a site, you know, five years from now, that that thing will be outdated. It really doesn't matter what the site is. They all do the same things to our brains. They all do the same things to our souls. They all do the same things to our lives. And I and I'll be honest, I understand why the world is on it. Um, but I don't think that we can be investing our time in this thing on a day-to-day basis and expect anything in our lives or in the world to change. And, uh, you know, maybe it's not a hundred percent related to social media, but social media is definitely one overt, uh, avenue, uh, for these things to occur. So in, in, uh, doing some interweb, you know, easy looking here on the Google machine, this currently says uh, that people spend on social media per day approximately two hours and 24 minutes globally. And Americans clock in uh, two hours and 14 minutes per day globally. It's kind of shocking to me that Americans are on it less than the rest of the world, but does it really matter? Two hours and 24 minutes versus two hours and 14 minutes, uh, is, as far as I'm concerned, makes no difference. That is that is more than two hours of every single day uh, being on a thing that pretends to be real but isn't quite. Not only that, when we're on social media, it, it's leading to other things as well. So, so these numbers are about social media specifically, but as you're on social media, it's, it's, leaving, it's leading you to advertisements. It's leading you to want things. It's leading you into news outlets. It's leading you all kinds of places. These aren't, these aren't the numbers of the number of hours you're spending on your phone, period, or just uh, absorbing things of the world. These are just the numbers of social media. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a gateway drug <laughs> at best. 
Um, but at its worst, it's literally killing you and killing us. So I want to just briefly go through the history of this. So the first social media site was born in 1997. That was two years after I graduated high school, ladies and gentlemen. That was a very different world back then. According according to this, this is on uh, Hootsuite.com. I think I used Hootsuite back in the day, but uh, SixDegrees.com, according to this, was the first social media site born in 1997 it amassed around 1 million users before being bought out for 125 million dollars uh and to disappear completely by the year 2000 in 2000 um who can forget am i hot or not.com i mean (laughs) does that not does that not summarize uh honestly why we're on social media to begin with is just that question am i hot or not Is my life hot or not? Am I physically hot or not? Is what I'm doing hot or not? And the second somebody goes, oh, I like that, we go, I'm totally hot. Or the second somebody dislikes that or even worse, ignores it, I'm totally not. And so uh, hot or not in the year 2000. In 2002, Friendster, uh, originally going to be a dating site, I guess, according to this. Uh, You could create a profile, include status updates, reveal your mood, uh, etc. Uh, in 2003, MySpace, a place for friends. That was, I guess, their tagline, a place for friends. So if you're old like me, you remember MySpace. I do remember making a MySpace page. I also remember being very confused why I should. <laughs> it was These are very new concepts back in the day that you would have a page set up to tell people about you and attempt to make friends. I remember making it. I remember not caring about it. I gave up on it very, very quickly. Uh, And that's not altruistic. I just didn't understand the need uh, back in the day. So let's see. uh, According to this, LinkedIn, YouTube, WordPress, and more arrive around 2003 to 2005. Um, And I remember getting on YouTube and I believe the Auburn Bottle Rocket. Uh, Kids, don't look that up. Uh, actually, nobody looked that up, but I remember seeing that on social media and thinking, okay, America's Funniest Home Videos is now on the internet, which means um, people are posting ridiculous things all over the place. But simultaneously, you know, I could, I was starting to find some of my old friends, which was interesting. 2006, Twitter uh, becomes becomes a real thing. According to this, the first tweet ever posted by co-founder Jack Dorsey read, just setting up my Twitter. I guess that was the that was the first thing. And in and I can only imagine in the back of his head, he's asking the question, Am I hot or not? Also in 2006, LinkedIn uh, begins, which uh, I now am a LinkedIn user, but I do remember uh, back in the day I, I used the words Uh, creating a LinkedIn account is like choosing to get a computer virus (laughs) because I remember I made a LinkedIn account and then my, my email, which used to only be filled with the things that I uh, cared about or signed up for personally now was being like assaulted by LinkedIn and all the things that they wanted me to do and all the people that they wanted me to meet. And I remember uh, creating a rule to throw all the LinkedIn emails into my spam or trash or something like that folder 
because it felt like a virus that I chose to got chose to got chose to get um and nowadays I do use it but back then it felt horrible uh to be getting all those emails uh YouTube makes partners according to this the OG influencers in 2007 so again on on blog.hootsuite.com in May 2007 YouTube introduced its partnership program. So uh, all the things that you see today of people making content and therefore making money off it, that started in 2007. Tumblr and microblogs started in 2007. Tumblr was never a safe place to be particularly. Uh, Hashtags hit the scene in 2007. Uh, You remember Jimmy Fallon (laughs) doing the whole hashtag movement thing. Obviously that's still around. but not not particularly in your face anymore. Uh, there's a whole bunch of things here: Weibo, Foursquare, Grinder. Oh God, uh, Instagram, uh, 2009, 2010. Instagram in 2010. Um, obviously, probably everyone out there has an Instagram account. Pinterest in 2010. Snapchat, uh, 2011. Not the safest place to be either. Uh, just keeps going. Twitch, Facebook, Vine. Remember Vine, 2013. Slack, Patreon. Uh, the year of the selfie, apparently in 2014, following Ellen DeGeneres' Oscar photo. The selfie, that selfie was retweeted more than 3 million times. Again, asking the question, am I hot or am I not? Uh, live streaming became huge in 2015. Instagram launches stories in 2016. U.S. election, social media's fake news crisis in 2016. TikTok, 2017. Uh, Twitter doubles their character limit, which somehow is newsworthy in 2017. Facebook goes on trial for data privacy problems in 2018. You know, and if you're listening to this, you remember pretty much everything between then and now it's been a it's been a roller coaster i mean it's it's you know anytime you talk about a topic like this you run the risk of being like back in my day it used to be better quote unquote and now today uh it's not as good in whatever topic you want to talk about music books movies uh cars you know whatever Pretty much any topic, if you talk to people from the past, they tell you how much better it was. And if you talk to people in the present, um, they think that that person is is an old fuddy-duddy. I don't really know. I don't know that I've ever said that term, buddy-duddy. Um, but that's the risk of talking about things like this. Uh, so, so, so before I give any <laughs> particular thoughts, even though you can probably assume what my thoughts are, about this topic, um, I am not saying that back in my day, you know, the everything was better. Uh, you know, the the I was born in '76. You know, on the heels of the Vietnam War and everything that happened in the in the in the '60s, uh, in the in war and peace and civil rights and all that. You know, I'm born on the back end of all that. Only a few decades removed from World War II. It is not like the end of the 1900s was like smooth operating. Uh, Atrocities all over the world. 
without a doubt. So don't hear me say that uh, the world's problems are due to social media. They are not. Social media is, <clears throat> in my estimation, the the most current and overt representation of that of that begging question that we're all asking ourselves: Am I hot or am I not? Uh, that's such a two thousand way to put that, <laughs> but even the worst and most brutal. Uh, world leaders over the course of history are essentially asking themselves that same question. And when they can't come up with the answer because they don't have any like particularly singular driving truth in their life, uh, the result is they create things in the world that are horrible. I mean, it's just, in my opinion, that's the truth, which is uh, as people wrestle with who are they, why am I here? Uh, why does this world even exist? And how do I view that? Then the then when they start to come to some conclusions about those things, whether they're true or not, and, I'm, and when I say true, I mean absolute truth, not relative truth. Whether they're true or not, they immediately begin to form um, uh, belief systems around it. And then they immediately form value systems on top of those belief systems. And then those two things create behavior. And the behaviors are what the rest of us experience every day, all day, from everyone else. And so as those behaviors are put out into the world, uh, we want to look at those behaviors and go, how could you ever become like fill in the blank? Um, but you got to pull back a few layers and go all the way back to what people think and believe about themselves and what they think and believe about this place. Now, when social media, you know, first kind of reared its head, you know, beyond uh, little pockets of people using it all over the place, um, I remember thinking this is kind of similar to, you know, my first kind of like true interaction with it, not with MySpace, but with Facebook, was in my in my head similar to my days in college. Uh, where everybody would put a whiteboard on their dorm room door. And as you're walking down the hall and, and that person isn't home or whatever, people would write you messages on there. And by and large, those messages were you know positive things or in, informative things. Like a friend would come by and write, hey, I'm going to be at the dining hall at 1 p.m. And then, you know, Right, sign his name so that I knew where he was because we didn't have cell phones and we didn't particularly like leaving voicemails. And so you had this system of whiteboards on doors to kind of keep each other informed about what was going on in your life. And sometimes people would put funny little pictures up there and that kind of thing. And so when Facebook came out, I was like, oh, this is that. It was like right on my wall. So it was like college whiteboards for grownups. I guess, because, you know, grownups were the ones primarily on computers. Y'all had flip phones. Like, we were using flip phones uh, for these kind of things. We were on computers, and I think the majority of users were probably at work, you know, looking for something to do. And so they were, quote-unquote, posting things on people's walls. That's the best I could, like, wrap my head around. And, and right, wrong, indifferent, like... Uh, because that's how I saw it, I was like, well, this is relatively innocent, you know, relatively innocuous. They're not selling to me. They're not uh, forcing me to, you know, 
to experience a bunch of advertisements. They're just giving me a place that I can do that thing that I did in college with, you know, grown up friends who happen to be on this on this app. And and I thought, well, this is cool because, you know, some of the people on here I haven't seen in, you know, a few years. I mean, I don't remember what year. I don't remember what year we're talking about. 2005, 2006 maybe. So I graduated high school in 95 and, you know, didn't talk to most of those people through college. And then I graduated college in 2000 and didn't talk to most of those people as I went on in my career. So now you're 10 years removed from high school and you're like, holy cow, I can actually like talk to people that I grew up with or people I haven't seen in a number of years, uh, kind of in a similar way that I did in college with these whiteboards. And you thought, this is this is pretty helpful. I mean, honestly, like, uh, what better way to, to help mark time going by, you know, as you as you're getting married, as you're having kids, as you're whatever, to to be able to mark time by going, uh, you know, I still have relationships with all these people that I that I knew way back in the day, even as new things in my life are occurring. But the trouble in there is is you don't. <laughs> Uh, you don't have relationships with those people. Um, you have you have some level of connection, you know, digital connection. Yeah, I, I think I think we all want to. I can't say all. <laughs> well, I can say all. I can say whatever I want. This is my podcast. But just know when I say all, I recognize there's exceptions. There's always anomalies to the rule. But uh, in general, I think we. I think we all have this notion that somehow connecting digitally either means more or can become more or um, will be the first step in like forming a real relationship. And um, as it turns out, it's just not. So even if I think back to my initial digital communications with friends back then, um, there was a, there's a, like a brief catch up period of like, Hey, tell me what, what all has happened to you in the last 10 years. Um, and those things are f- facts. I think, I mean, people can make up all kinds of stuff. So who really knows? But by and large, I think they're facts, but they don't really tell you anything about w- about what those events or experiences that people went through have caused. Therefore, you're not really learning about anyone. You're not, you don't know how they felt when they went through it. You don't know what it really has made them into. You don't know, you know, that, that this event that they, that they claim was so impactful in their life and it probably was impactful in their life but you don't you don't get a sense of like the fear and the worry that they went through in order to do that thing you don't get a sense of the joy or the happiness that actually happened at that wedding you don't get you don't get the real sense that you get when you're in true real relationship with people you just get an update it's a it's a christmas card <laughs> it uh, uh, kids, if you're listening, Christmas cards are these things that people used to send in the mail and attempt to give yearly updates about their life or just a picture. 
And those things are sweet and they're nice, but they're not relationship. They are updates. They are family updates. And that's not necessarily bad. To me, where the corner turns is when you stop, when you get to a point where you stop talking about updates, like here's how I got here, and you turn the corner into here's what I'm doing now. And the second we start talking about here's what I'm doing now, we posture. Now, when we're, when we're talking about history, we posture too. I mean, honestly, if you can be real with yourself, when you tell about yourself and what you went through, you exaggerate or you leave things out. Um, that's just a fact. Maybe even you don't do it on purpose, but your mind exaggerates and leaves things out. It's way more dramatic than it was in the moment um, or way less dramatic than it was in the moment. And you are going to embellish because that is how you felt it. And that is how you are telling it. That's one of the reasons why like a kid can tell a story about his childhood and the parents are standing there like, I don't remember it being like that at all. And you're both right because you both experienced it in different ways. So on purpose or by accident, there is posturing about you when you tell about your past. But when you're talking about your present and attempting to share with people what you're going through today, the posturing just ramps up like crazy. Why? Well, because in your day-to-day life, my day-to-day life, I am trying to achieve things. I'm trying to become everything that I dreamed about becoming when I was younger. I'm trying to fulfill other people's expectations of me that they had when I was younger or they have today or they have for my future. I'm trying to make sure I look good for um, you know, things or people that may employ me in the future or I'm trying to, to act right for the person that I chose to be in a lifelong relationship with, or I am trying to, you know, keep myself free from being in trouble by parenting correctly and following the rules and doing whatever, Uh, or I'm trying to, you know, live a life of partying and, and, you know, be a, be a real rock star, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is you're trying to achieve, you're doing it right now. And people want to know how it's going. People want to know, are you, are you making it? Are you doing the right things? Are you achieving what we all expected you to achieve? I mean, think about when you, you know, when you, when you graduate high school, what do people immediately begin asking you? Not even when you graduate the year leading up, what are you going to be doing? Uh, what college are you going to back in the day? It wasn't necessarily assumed you were going to college, but the questions were still the same. You know, what, what job are you going to get? What apartment are you going to get? Uh, where are you going to be? Are you going to travel? Are you going to do all these things? You know, people want to know, uh, now when you get out of, when you get out of college, it's not even when you get out of college, it's what job are you going to have and where are you going to live and what's your salary going to be and all these things. Uh, when you're single, it's, well, how long until you get married? When you're married, it's how long until you have a kid? When you have one kid, how long until you have two kids? When you have two kids, wouldn't it be awesome if you had three kids? Like it is a, it is a nonstop cavalcade 
of questions from others wondering if you're ever or when you're going to achieve the things that either you said you were going to do or we all expect you to do. Everyone wants to know, are you living an awesome life? And I don't think that we are built to fulfill that expectation on an ongoing basis. In fact, not only are we not built to fulfill that expectation on an ongoing basis, we are not built to wrestle with that question every day of our life. I mean, every day, I feel like the world wakes up and go, am I living an awesome life? And awesome means all kinds of things. But essentially, it's that root question. Am I hot or not? Like, am I, am I doing it or am I not? And the vast majority of the world doesn't get the answer from themselves or from a spiritual center or from any absolute truths about the world. They get the answer from other people. Am I doing it right? What do you think? And if other people say, yeah, you're definitely doing it right, we go, great, I'm just going to keep doing that. Or if other people say, you're not doing it right, we go, maybe I should stop doing that. And the jacked up thing about social media is uh, we are hoping for those answers to be questioned or (laughs) those questions to be answered. Um, And we are gaining knowledge from the absence of knowledge. Meaning it's the blind leading the blind, people. Uh, And you and me are blind. And everyone out there is blind too. So when we post a thing and people say that's awesome, we should ask ourselves, according to who? According to who is it awesome? (laughs) I mean, look, I've got no problem with Taylor Swift or any, any of these other things. But when you go to a concert and you post your picture of you at the concert and everybody goes, that's awesome. According to who? What makes it awesome? Just that you went to a concert? Great. Good job. I guess that means you're hot. You're doing it. But if people don't respond, I mean, the easier, easiest ones are people dislike it. And then you go, I guess they don't think that I'm doing it. They don't think that I'm doing the right thing or, or whatever. And some of us handle that better than others. But in general, you're still asking for their opinion. Do you think I'm doing it? And I have to ask the same question. According to who? According to who are you doing it or not doing it? According to who are you getting it right or not getting it right? The real mind screw is when you put things out there and nobody responds. Or the people that you wish would respond don't respond. And then what happens? Because then you've put something out in the world that nobody's giving you feedback on. And the result is you make some assumptions. You definitely do that. You make assumptions. When people don't respond to the things you make, you immediately make assumptions about that thing. You assume generally one of two things. Either A, everyone else is an idiot. Uh, That's not a particularly healthy response. And who are you to say they are? Or two, uh, I must be an idiot. (laughs) And that's the more common one. Is uh, when people don't react well to the things that we put out there, we generally look at ourselves and go, I must not be getting it right. Uh, I must be a mess. I must not be winning. I must not be achieving. I must not be fulfilling expectations. So I should adjust my behavior. And uh, once you're in that space, you can't, you literally can't win. If you, if you or I or the world thinks 
we can adjust our behaviors and impact the world in any sort of positive way. It just doesn't work like that. All we are doing as a world, as a global society, is 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 creating behaviors and then staring at each other and going, is that good? Are you good with that? Okay, we're good with that. And then we do the next one. There's no truth in there. There's no belief system in there. There's no worldview about our purpose here and there. And there is no value system in there. Uh, all that is is surface level blind leading the blind. And it's just not real. So what is real? You know, I, I not what is not what is real. <laughs> what what is real? You know, are 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 the pictures of your family real? I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, if you if you're if you're unfamiliar with critical thinking, <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, welcome to my mind. Uh, it's not always good, by the way. Sometimes you can over be overly critical thinking uh, and have a really hard time just enjoying the moment. So that's my life struggle is to enjoy the moment. Um, but but I think you got to think about these things critically. So like, just imagine you know imagine this scenario which I think is getting more and more these days, is is when I think of, about, again, I'm going to be old guy here, when I think about back to my childhood, um, at and by childhood I mean pre-20, anything pre-20, um, I, could f- I, I could for a fact tell you that at no point in time, unless somebody made me line up and smile at no point in time did i believe a camera was on me not not once not one time did i believe people were people were watching and going to immortalize my movements good bad indifferent and so uh what that allowed me to do was feel free you know i'm looking at this in retrospect now obviously but but in general, I could feel free to make mistakes be, because they wouldn't be immortalized. Second to that, I could feel free to to be present in the moment because I wasn't having to worry about, you know, are, are you going to take this picture and show it to my friends? Are you going to, like, am I going to be unhappy about the shirt I chose to wear today? Uh, does my gut look big in the way I'm standing? Did I do my hair right this morning to be ready for pictures that might that might, you know, come my way? I mean, the worst with that was going to happen is you you know, some of your whatever, Christmas morning pictures or whatever were going to end up in a in a flip photo book that, you know, you you find at grandma and grandma's house one day. But that is totally different than your friends being um exposed to every single thing that you're doing in your life and how dumb or awesome you look doing it. So back to the family picture, like <laughs> is your family picture real? I don't know. A, a critical thinker would rip all that apart and go and go, are the people in that picture authentically themselves? It's hard to say. Uh, there's so many things, you know, that come into it. And, you know, we've all heard the stories of everybody 
crying and whining and yelling and whatever. And then the second we take the picture, everybody's got a smile on their face. So you go, is is your family picture real? I don't know. Hard to say. It's probably a a whole nother episode. But, you know, are your posts real? Are your thoughts real? You know, these things that you're putting out in the world or these things that you're hearing from other people, are they real? And, you know, if you were sitting with me, I would argue that they're not. Um, That doesn't mean that there isn't some truth in them. I would just argue that they're not real. And the main reason they're not real is because they are soaking with insecurity and worry and posturing and achievement mentality and hot or questions of am I hot or not. And to be honest, I don't know why I'm going to say you, but I don't know why you want that. Like, I, I understand why the world is addicted to things. I'm addicted to things. Like, I understand the physiology around it. I understand, um, you know, how how the mental, how the taking in of things uh, with your eyes and, and mentally turns into physiological need. Like, I, I understand why things are addicting, and I understand why they're addicted to them. What I, what I can't fully wrap my head around is why everyone's choosing it. And the only, the only real conclusion I can come up with is um, the world is choosing it because they, we, I, you, fear what the lack of having it might mean. I mean, is, is that an uncomfortable space for you to think, what if I didn't have social media? Like, what would that, what would that mean? I can tell you what it's meant for me. Um, you know, I've, I've dropped social media for large chunks of time over time. I've also been on social media for large chunks of time over time. Um, I've reconnected with friends on social media. I've said dumb things on social media. You know, I feel like in general I've done all the things on social media that you would expect to do on social media, but I've dropped it for large chunks of time. And and here's the truth, and maybe some of this is what you're afraid of, is one, uh, I missed things. You know, I, I missed a, f- a friend getting real sick because where they updated it and made announcements about it was on social media. Uh, I missed reunions, you know, gatherings. Uh, from high school or from college or whatever. Um, you know, back in the day, I remember I missed like a softball party because <laughs> I was on the softball team, but they didn't bother to talk about it at softball games. They only talked about it on Facebook for whatever reason. You know, currently, I miss day to day supposed happenings. I miss that this funny thing happened to this person, or I missed. Uh, this person said this, or I missed an announcement from my church, or I missed, you know, there's all these things uh, that I that I do miss. And maybe you're scared of missing those things. But I do have to, as a, as a critical thinker, I do have to pose the question, what are you actually missing? You know, because I, when I, when I go back to those things, I go, well, if I was truly friends with the person that I called friend that got sick, I, you know, why do I need Facebook to tell me that? And the, and the answer is pretty damning. 
you know, and, and it points to my own efforts in being a friend. If, if we look at the dumb example of a softball party that only gets talked about on, on Facebook, I go, well, if Facebook's the only way that, that this group is communicating with itself, you know, how valuable are the relationships within that group? I, I don't know. I have to, I have to wrestle with those, with those things. Um, if the only way that we're going to get together as a class reunion or whatever is, is, is if everybody is on Facebook, like the fact that I don't really know anyone still from high school, but I'm sort of loosely connected to them on Facebook. And that's the only way that I find out about things. That's more damning about my efforts and my towards relationship than it is about being on social media or not being on social media. And so for me, social media, like the decision to be on it or not really came down for me as convenience. Well, it's really two questions. One is, do I conveniently want a way to know what's supposedly happening in everybody's life? That was question one. And then question two was, if I'm being fully honest with myself and I got off of social media, would I actually be gutted by missing those things? And the truth for me was, as bad as it sounded at the time, the answer was no, I wouldn't be gutted. Why? Because I don't actually have real relationships with the vast majority of people or things that I was experiencing on social media. Therefore, the only thing I was really experiencing on social media was trying to answer the stupid basic question of, are you hot or are you not? And there is nothing on social media that is going to answer that question for you. Nothing. There is no post that you can make that gets enough likes that will answer the deep down question that you have about yourself through social media. It's not going to happen. There is no famous person, ex-boyfriend, current spouse, you know, lifelong friend, stranger that can post anything on social media in response to your things that is going to answer the deepest questions you have about yourself. Yet, in an attempt to not have to answer those questions about ourselves, we will just get on our phone for apparently two hours and 24 minutes every single day and hope that somebody can make us feel better. It is a lie. Now look, uh, a whole bunch of you are probably like <laughs> uh, mad about mad at me right now or thinking he doesn't know what he's talking about or that's not the case for me or whatever the thing and you know so be it um I, what i'm not saying is that all your pictures are a lie or i'm not saying that that none of your uh thoughts about life are are authentic or any of those things but what i am saying is that like it or not a majority of the things that we claim to like so much have we have been told to like like we have been taught to like we've been taught to shop we have been taught uh, that these things are beautiful and these things are not we have been taught that this food is good and this food is not that doesn't dismiss that we have authentic 
um, opinions and feelings or even taste buds within those things. But the vast majority of the things that we uh, claim to be so into, we have been taught to be into. And social media is a perfect example of that because prior to social media, nobody had a desire to be on social media. It's not, it's not a thing. It's not, that's not a real desire. The desire is way deeper. The desire is we have a desire to feel known and loved. We have a, desi- a desire to feel in relationship with people. We have a desire to know that we are hot. <laughs> for le- I hate that term, but it just makes sense uh, for this particular episode. We have, we have a desire to know we're doing it right. We have a desire to know we're achieving. We have a desire to know, you know that we're connected. We have a desire to know that our parents are proud of us. We have a desire to know that our friends like us. And all these desires are way deeper. And social media pretends to solve it in an unreal way. So what is real? You know, I, I asked that question earlier and we and I talked about pictures for a second, but but what is real? This is the question I wrestle with all the time. Personally, what is real? Is my career real? You know, are the things I own real? Are my relationships real? Uh, and the answer is some yes, some no, you know, to to all those things. So how do you figure out what's real? And, you know, the image that came to my head before I did this episode was uh, a little over a year ago. I was in Montana with some friends. Hi, friends, if you're listening. And um, there were numerous times on that trip where I just I went outside. It was kind of chilly out, but I went outside, took my shoes off, and just sat with my you know feet in the grass. This is not This is not something I never do, but... That's the image that came to mind is me in Montana doing that thing. And there and there's something about when you have your feet directly in the grass. Like there's like a a grounding, ha ha, pun fully intended. A grounding that happens when the skin on your feet is is you know, tactily connected to the grass on the ground, the dirt on the ground, the pebbles on the ground, the insects on the ground. And as I, and and that's real, you know, uh, you came from that, you're going to become that one day, like, but, but that is real and nobody, I don't think, you know, I've tried to think back, like, I don't know that anybody had to teach me that that is real. You know, it's one of the earliest things I probably experienced outside of my house is just crawling in the grass. Like that's a real thing. There's life there. There's grime there. There's beauty there, and you can feel it. It's it's prickly. You know, some grass is soft, but most grass is prickly. Most grass is not perfect. Manicured lawns are perfect, but those aren't real. Like that, that is a fake thing that we have decided to do and call it pretty. By the way, not everyone in the world thinks manicured lawns are pretty. Uh, that is just something that my culture decided is pretty. Uh, but real grass is prickly, and it's and it's uneven, and it's imperfect, um, but it's tactile. Like, it, it feels real. It's a real thing. Um, now, the second I put shoes on, that fundamentally changes. 
You know, you can put socks on, it feels a little bit different. Put shoes on, it feels entirely different. Now there's a barrier. There's a barrier between you and the real tactile thing. And I get why we do that physically, because it makes it easier to walk, makes it easier to run. If you go way back in time, makes it easier to hunt, you know, and, and be outside for long periods of time without killing your feet. Um, so I understand why these things were are invented, but somebody decided, hey, these things are a good idea and everyone should have them. And the second that that person, I don't know the history of shoes, somebody out there probably does, but the second that person invented shoes, other people uh, began inventing ways to get you to believe you needed shoes. Now, the point of this is not to argue about whether or not we need shoes. <laughs> the point is, um, when when you're in the grass barefoot, there is no distance between you and the very real thing that you're standing on. Uh, so I think it's fairly safe to say this is real. This is a real experience. But the second you introduce a barrier to that thing, it becomes much more difficult to determine exactly what is real and what is not. In other words, if you walk outside with shoes on, the odds that you can tell me what the grass feels like under your feet is pretty much zero. Now, you can explain to me what it feels like based on your past experiences with what grass feels like, but you cannot tell me what it feels like today, right now. You can make assumptions, but those assumptions may or may not be true. To me, this is our life with social media. It is a barrier between actual life occurring and your ability to experience it. Let's stick with a grass example. Let's say you walk out into the grass today in your bare feet and it is the most mind-blowing thing you've ever experienced in your life. Uh, I can't imagine that would be the case, but we're going to stick with this example because this is where we started. Let's say you did that. You walked out and it was the most mind-blowing experience of your life. My first question to you in that would be, how long would you, on your own, just enjoy that? In other words, how long would you soak it in? How long would you appreciate the feel of it, look around, appreciate the breeze around you, and just sit in that moment? Okay, regardless of how you might answer that, you know, we're all built for community. We're built for relationships, so... Um, how long would it be before you invited someone else to come experience that with you? I'm sure these days, uh, not very long. We would probably invite people in many different ways to experience that with us. But I, I want you to contemplate here a little bit. How long would it take you before you invited someone to come also feel it? Hey, come, you got to come feel us like that, you know, that kind of thing. What if they say no? How, do, how does that make you feel? Does it make you question whether you're friends with them? Does it make you question their intelligence? If they say no, can you just enjoy the grass for yourself and be perfectly content with that? What if they come over, but they don't agree that the grass feels amazing? What does that mean about you? Does that mean your opinions are not relevant? Does it mean that they don't know what they're talking about? What if they agree that the grass does feel amazing? <laughs> does that mean that you're amazing? Does that mean that, that you have discovered something that you need to share with the world? Does it mean that if you don't share it with people, it somehow didn't happen? 
What if you have that experience and then in the future you forget about it? Does that mean it was a waste of time or a wasted experience? What if your friend, when you called them over, was having their own personal incredible experience and you interrupted it by making sure that they knew about your personal incredible experience? What if your discovery of this experience meant that you could tell all your neighbors about this experience so that they could come over and feel it for themselves and tell you how incredible it is that you discovered this experience? Or better yet, what if you could figure out a way to sell tickets to this experience so that the whole world could experience this incredible thing that you've experienced? And maybe you even figure out a way to sell t-shirts to it. (laughs) Or point to some other experience that someone else is having and connect it to them so that they can sell t-shirts to their thing. And before you know it, we're all selling t-shirts to our own personal experiences and the personal experience itself has completely disappeared. This, to me, is social media. It is, to me, a place where we confuse uh, the idea of communities the idea of communication, and the ideas of experiences and attempt to mash them all into one thing. I don't think any better or worse about you if you've been to a Taylor Swift concert or if you've had an incredible piece of chocolate cake or if you went to Disney for the 15th time or even if you fed the homeless last weekend or if you opened an incredible gift or if you love your new shoes (laughs) I am happy for you. That's great. Those are your own incredible personal experiences. Um, They do not affect how I see you. In fact, the only thing that affects how I see you is your need to show me what you see. I'm sure it drives the people around me crazy, but, you know, we used to say a picture is uh, worth a thousand words. Uh, and that, that was, that was, and probably is true, uh, especially as pictures were becoming a new thing. Um, but to be honest with you, I'll take the thousand words at this point. Um, and it's not because your pictures aren't awesome. Um, but they're mostly awesome to you. They're your memories. They're your experiences. They're your own personal things. And if you and I sit down and have coffee, and you want to show me all your pictures, I will take the thousand words. <laughs> In fact, uh, I'm sure it, I mean it, I'm sure it drives my wife crazy, but there are many times where she wants to show me a picture and I will literally say, just tell me about it. Uh, because when you talk about it, I can hear what the experience was like. I can hear you talk about what was tactile, what was good, what was bad. Um, whereas when you show me a picture, you assume I'm just going to get it. And when I get on social media, that's what the whole thing feels like. is like thousands of people showing me pictures and I am supposed to feel the same things that they felt. And they are hopeful that they can somehow feel da- validated in me feeling that. And, it, and it, uh, that connection is just not there. It's not real for me. And you may feel like it's real for you, but I would argue that it is not. Okay, so I've been ranting about this stuff for a minute now. Um, The question is, what do you do about it? And uh, I don't think I have a lot of easy answers. I I think 
you know, our society is way down this road. And until uh, a generation or two decides that this is not the cool thing to do anymore, um, globally, it's probably not going to change. But from a like, what can you individually do or, or how can you influence things to be in a better way? If you don't want it to change, you probably tuned out of this podcast a long time ago. Uh, so if you're still sticking around with me here, um, the way I would put this is, is one individually, individually, before you just, you know, kick all social media to the curb and be like, I know this is bad for me, so I should just stop it. Uh, I would encourage you to wrestle with it. Why are you on social media in the first place? And after you write that list down, critically think about it because somewhere in there, you're probably going to write things like. Um, things you realize, like I'm on social media because I like to feel validated. Yep. That we pretty much all fall into that category, but then you might write some things that you also believe, like I'm on social media cause I want to stay connected to my friends. And that is where you need to think critically yourself. Um, is that the actual reason? Because there are, there are ways to be connected to your friends that are not social media related. There are ways to do that. And so I would encourage you to wrestle with that. So from an individual standpoint, I would start there with the wrestling of why am I on there in the first place? And then I would begin to take some steps towards, you know, maybe experiencing things in a little, in a, in a more real way. Like, can you take pictures of things and not show them to people? <laughs> like, is that a, is that a possibility for you? And I mean, not text anyone, not post anything, like just not do anything with it. What do you end up doing with those pictures? What are you doing with the 25,000 pictures that you have? You know, some of you are professional photographers. That makes a lot of sense. Most of us are not. We're just trying to experience life through taking pictures of all of it. Um, and there's nothing wrong with taking pictures. I would just ask you, what are you doing with them? Can you take a picture for you and not worrying about sharing it with the rest of the world? You know, those are, those are small steps to take from an individual standpoint. From a, like, bigger standpoint, like a community business standpoint, man, I feel pretty strongly that there are, there are certain entities in our communities that should not be pushing the social media agenda, agenda um, but then also talking about it as though it's a bad thing. I, I just don't think you can do both. If you find yourself in any way saying, yeah, social media is bad for us, yet you're on social media, I don't know how to rectify those two things. Same with businesses, churches, organizations. If if you're out there saying social media is a bad thing for the world in general, I don't see how you can say those things but then simultaneously use them to platform what you do. Um, it's an interesting thing. It's the thing that I'm wrestling through right now because it's like, well, if I don't believe in social media, then I can't advertise this podcast on social media. And that's true. And I, I don't really know how to bring that together, you know, in a way that makes a lot of sense. Right now, I've taken this podcast, I've taken sites down on social media that have this podcast on it because I don't think it's good for society. But then you go, well, how will people ever hear this thing? And the truth is, I don't know that anybody will ever hear this thing. Also, the truth is, I don't know that anybody should. <laughs> like, 
just because I want something to grow maybe doesn't necessarily mean it should grow. Maybe this whole thing that I'm doing is simply for me to get thoughts out uh, on my own behalf for my kids to one day listen to when I'm gone. I, I don't know. So therefore, I don't know the answer of how to rectify those things. If I ever put this on YouTube, YouTube is social media. So is there a difference between platforming something on YouTube and advertising something on YouTube? The answer is I don't know, but I don't think YouTube is a good thing for us, like in general. Uh, it's amazing that you can go onto a thing, a platform, and look up pretty much anything you've ever wanted to look up, and there it is. That's kind of incredible. It also simultaneously reduces everything you've ever experienced up till now. So, for example, um, I can go look up a 1998 white zombie concert that I went to uh, in Atlanta on YouTube and find it. And, I, and the first time I watched it, I was like, wow, that's really cool that I can see the concert that I went to. Also, it reduced the experience and the memory I had at the concert immediately. Not to make it something terrible or negative, but it right-sized it. So the romantic you know, idea I, and memory I have in my head about that concert, which is still real, was right-sized by looking at the concert through somebody else's lens and perspective and then going, oh, that thing that I thought I remembered, maybe it was more like this. And now my memories are no longer individual to me. They're filtered through somebody else's lens. So they instantly became less real. There's somebody else's experiences tied with mine, and it and it's a weird thing. And when you watch all that stuff on YouTube, that's exactly what's happening. Every time you get somebody else's reaction to a song, it's like shifting how you feel about that song. Every time somebody you get a reaction about a picture you posted, you're shifting how you felt about that picture when you first took it. And it's a very, very confusing landscape to function in. So here's my suggestion. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the suggestion is based on uh, when the movie Dumb and Dumber came out in my life. There are other movies like this too, but this is the one I always go to. When Dumb and Dumber came out in my life, it got terrible reviews. Uh, I don't remember how old I was, but somewhere around 20. And uh, back then, and still now for the most part, I don't read reviews to decide what I'm going to watch. And so when I went to watch Dumb and Dumber in the movie theaters, it became one of my favorite movies of all time, even though it wasn't getting great reviews. And what has happened to that movie over time? Over time, uh, everyone loves it, which means eventually other people's opinions caught up with mine. Now, it doesn't always happen that way, uh, but the point is it doesn't matter. What I like is what I like. Uh, when I used to go uh, buy albums in a music store, like I didn't have magazines or internet to tell me what other people thought of the albums. I only had what little knowledge I had. And most of that knowledge came from going to music stores, flipping through albums, and buying albums based on either the specific individuals in the band because I liked them in other art that they made or literally on the cover art of the album. Was it always a hit? 
No, it was not always a hit. But uh, making decisions in that way forced me to learn what I like, forced me to listen to things I never would have listened to before, and expanded my idea of what good music is. If all I ever did was listen to other people's opinions on the radio or whatever media is pushing uh, music to me, then the only music I would have ever listened to is popular music. And I got news for you. Popular music is generally not awesome. Uh, It's not terrible necessarily, but it's basically all the same stuff. So what do you do today to break out of that? I would make some simple suggestions. One, uh, go to a restaurant in your town or city uh, this week or next week without looking up reviews on it. Now, you can't cheat and be like, oh, I've been to this restaurant before, so I know it's good. Go literally based on, I drive by this place all the time and I never go in, and this time I'm going to go try it. You should do that. Because guess what? Uh, Some people love that restaurant, and some people hate that restaurant. And uh, it really doesn't matter what they love or hate. Like It only matters how you feel about it, because it's your life and your experience and your taste buds. That is the equivalent of putting your feet in the grass. Just go put your feet in the grass and stop reading reviews about the grass because uh, it's someone else's uh, uh, view on it. Second suggestion, uh, whatever music streaming platform you use, click one of the like uh, discover new music playlists or whatever. Don't click the one that's like, hey, we made this playlist just for you because all they're doing is feeding you the things that they know you already uh, supposedly like. Go try something different. Third suggestion on whatever movie streaming platforms you you use. Pick a movie this weekend or this week to watch purely based on the cover. <laughs> Don't read anything about it. Just purely based on the cover. In fact, it would be even better if you didn't know the actors in it. Uh, but just purely based on the cover. Pick one and go. And don't spend the next two hours judging it. Just watch it. Just watch it and take it in and then form an opinion afterwards. Fourth suggestion. Maybe this was actually the first suggestion. Go outside and sit in the grass. If you don't want to sit on the ground, take a camp chair out there and just put your feet in the grass. And just sit there. Don't post about it. Don't feel like you need to tell everybody about it. Just sit there and see what it's like. What does it feel like? You know, what do you what do you sense? What do you realize? What do you think? Um, that, that experience in that moment is personal to you. You will not be able to fully articulate what your experience is to someone else. So choose carefully who and what you decide to articulate. What you choose to articulate defines you. And if you articulate or attempt to articulate everything that happens to you in your life, then there is very little definition around who you actually are. You are the sum of everything you see, feel, and do. And if we're spending our lives trying to reflect that back to a world who wants to tell us everything that we should see, feel, and do, then it's very, very difficult to know what is real and what is not. I always get a kick out of the old expression, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around to hear it, does it make a sound? 
Because, of course, philosophically, it's a great thing to argue. But in reality, of course it does. Of course it makes a sound. If you think it doesn't make a sound, then that means that you think unless you're present, nothing actually happens. That, at its core, might be why the world is so loud. So maybe try some quiet. What you'll find is that when you're quiet long enough, then when you choose to make noise, it makes a significant impact. But when you're noisy all the time, constantly putting things out there, no one listens. So maybe this holiday season, just turn the noise down a little. Maybe put on a uh, Bing Crosby album and just sit and listen. You may find that there's things that you've been missing simply because you haven't been quiet enough to hear. I hope you have a great day, and I hope you can feel the grass beneath your feet. Peace. Peace.